I just want to get right into um, what I believe God has been preparing us for um, today. And so it's Vision Sunday. You guys excited about Vision Sunday? Uh-uh. You're like, okay. Uh, in case you're wondering, uh, what's so uh, special about today? Well, all month we've been on this quest uh, to align ourselves with God. Uh, today is an opportunity for us to align ourselves with the vision we believe God has given uh, this church. And so our focus for uh, this year's vision is reach. Um, reach um, is an acrostic on the screen, relate, empower, advance, compassion, help. Now we're preparing uh, more information for you on our website so you can get a chance to see in depth what this looks like. Uh, but this is what we've been praying about all week. Um, each week we gathered and we prayed about different letters and about what it means to us as a church. Now I'm going to frame our conversation around two different passages from the book of Habakkuk. You can start going there. And if you're using a, you know, a Bible in your hand with papers, I'm not quite sure what number that is, but somewhere there. I promise it's in the Bible, Habakkuk. And if you're using a digital, if you just type in the first three letters, it should start showing up in your, in your digital stuff. But don't worry, we'll have all the things on the screen. But a bucket, and then we'll also use one in the book of Acts. Uh, today's teaching, just want to forewarn you, is going to stretch your faith until you're uncomfortable. You guys all right with that? Some faces like, ah, I was with you, you said faith, but uncomfortable? Not quite sure about that one. But it's okay because that's what's called a vision. Now, the book of Habakkuk, it talks about this idea of writing the vision and making it plain. We've heard this over and over. But you must ask yourself, why do we need a vision? Why did God plant emerge in this city? And why did he choose us individually to be a part of his plan? See, uh, we know the how to become a Christian. We know that if we ask for forgiveness, that God will forgive us our, our sins and we'll get saved. We know that. But why are we saved? Why are you saved? Uh, so often we uh, join a church, but we never discover our purpose. Uh, we get so busy uh, doing the how of church. How do I connect to or connect with a connect group? Or how do I join a church? How do I become a member? How do I lead a ministry? All these things, these things are the how of church, but rarely do we ask why. See, when I made my vows with uh, Pastor Mimi on our wedding day, I had already predetermined to love and honor her. Um, this day was simply a public uh, demonstration of our affection. Uh, when you, you know, were baptized, water baptism, um, that was a public expression of a decision you've already made to follow Jesus. You agree? And we know this because baptism doesn't remove our sins. We have to make a decision to follow Jesus. So here's what I'm saying to you. Nothing will keep you grounded in the difficult seasons without answering the question, why? See, that's the difference between those who need a reason to stay at a church and those who realize that they've been called to serve a given church. There's a difference. When you're called to serve the body of Christ, you don't need a reason to stay. God called uh, my family to Berkeley. Then he placed us in this church. And he placed us in this church for us to fulfill our call. Uh, God called you to this city. Then he placed you in this church. So it takes faith to answer God's divine call before we receive the assignment. One reason you struggle with God's calling in your life is that you don't like the assignment. It's like uh, that person, I'm not sure if you can relate to this, um, but you need three more credits to fulfill your financial requirements for a semester. 
and someone told you to take this easy class. And you're taking this class, and it's going very well after a few weeks until you get this assignment you don't like. You don't like the assignment. The problem is the ad drop period passed. So now you're stuck with a class you don't like, stuck with an assignment, but you need those three credits. Ever happened to you before? Like, nope, I took the class that I wanted, and that was it. I've done it before, and I'm like, I'm dropping. Give me an incomplete something. I don't like this class. But when you don't understand the assignment, the calling, uh, your purpose in life becomes burdensome. And we're going to see this in our text, um, how there is this character or this figure in our Bible who has both a calling and a burden. Habakkuk 1, verse 1. We'll start right there. The burden which the prophet Habakkuk saw, period. I mean, that verse in itself, a lot of weight. Because here's a man carrying this burden because of what he's seen. It's easy for us to leave from one destination to another with blinders. But what do you see? What do you see when you leave from point A to point B? And what burden are you carrying for the people in Berkeley? See, it was never about his calling. Because the verse starts off by saying that, number one, he's a prophet. So there's a calling on his life. Uh, some of you are great musicians, great singers. You're even great with creativity. You can do a website, marketing, but the challenge for you is that you see everything that needs improvement, but the burden is not significant enough to move you from complacency. Verse 1 to 3, it says, The burden which the prophet Habakkuk saw, O Lord, how long shall I cry and you will not hear? Even cry out to you, violence, and you will not save. Why do you show me iniquity and cause me to see trouble? For plundering and violence are before me. There is strife and contention arises. And notice the personal element uh, uh, to this question. Habakkuk is wondering, of all the people in the city, why would God cause him to have a burden for the trouble that he's seen? Why would God cause you to have a burden for a particular ministry in this church when no one else seems to care? You ever thought about that? And so now you feel obligated to do something because you have this burden that you can't shake. So Habakkuk, he feels obligated and he cries out to God. It's, it's, it's as though he's saying, God, don't show me trouble if I can't do something about it. It's bothering me. And look at God's response to him in verse 5. Look among the nations and watch. Be utterly astounded. For I will work a work in your days which you would not believe though it were told you. Again, Notice the immediacy of this verse. God says to Habakkuk, Since you noticed the trouble and iniquity, I will intervene and do something significant during your lifetime. See, I love how God frames his verse. He said, Your ministry is built on prophesying things that are unbelievable to the people. He said, That's what your job. You're a prophet. You say things that seems out of this world, and you're hoping that they would believe. So God says, my nature, the things that I'm going to do, it is so significant that even if someone were to prophesy to you the same way in which you would prophesy, you wouldn't believe. Think about that. Some things that I'll share today will seem so significant that it's going to be difficult for you 
That's the magnitude and even the unexpected nature of God's plan. God's response to Bacchus started with what he couldn't unsee. Emerge doesn't exist as a church with blinders. Each of us is called to respond uh, to the troubles that we can't unsee. God calls you, and you, and you, and he calls me. And we put all these things together, and we call that a mission. But we come together as one corporate body to fulfill what God's calling us to do. That's how he operates. Your burden, my burden, comes together. We call that one mission. We're going to look at how God is going to call us to respond. But before we unveil our plans, I want to reflect on God's faithfulness last year. Every once in a while, I look and see what God did. Is that all right? You guys just want to get to the good stuff. Jeez. But last January, we established Emerge Church as a 501c3 organization. Registered Emerge Berkeley as a DBA in, the, in Alameda County. Then in February, we partnered with SF City Impact, where each member and attendee could actually go to the design lab and get free clothing. Now, I've been there a few times to get clothes can give away. And so we did that in February. And then in April, we moved from our telegraph, uh, telegraph um, office. We had how many functional offices we had over there? But one functional office, because we used all the other one for a sound booth, remember that? And one for a storage, and one for something else. I could never figure it out. <laughs> it was just always just there. And we moved over here having five offices, a conference room, a multipurpose room, a cafe, a kitchenette, a staff break room, a storage, and a 70-seat prayer chapel. Think about that. And then we moved from college. Our services moved to this location in August. Had our first service here on August 6th. I still remember when we shared you know, over there that we're going to be moving, and we had that long group that's walking all the way over here to see the new space. I remember how we moved everything out. I still remember... Uh, Amy and others pulling that uh, the, the chair rack all the way College Ave and coming through. I still remember all the engineers, um, AKA uh, Michael Zhao and others, trying to figure out how do we get this rack of chair on through the door, putting a rack, putting out uh, the rug there, and all kinds of different things. And I remember when, when when it was done, one of the wheels was broken. I don't remember why if. if if Amy remember what she said, when the guy said, yes, we got it done. And Amy said, at what cost? <laughs> <laughs> but we moved over here, and we didn't have to go through having to tear, you know, to set up and tear down every Sunday. I mean, that, that was a blessing. But one of the things we also did is that we also had our welcome week barbecue right here. You guys remember what was on the menu? Sausage, pulled pork. I remember asking uh, um, Aaron what was in the salad because I was like, what, what's in that salad? All gathered here because usually you're trying to organize rides and go into a park, but we're able to do it right here, right on this location. And in October, we had a month-long mission initiative. We had missionaries every week gathering here, missionary to Zambia, Nepal, um, and, and the connect groups prepared brunch every single week. Remember that? We did that. We also partnered with Berkeley Christian Counselors, where members could go and get professional support if needed. And of course, we're still working through the kinks, but nonetheless, we launched it. These are things that we did last year. But even all these things, some would see or say that God is silent. Where is the numerical growth? Where are all the more young adults and all the families? What are we going to do to improve our college ministry? 
And sometimes we have friends who might just move out of the city. We have others who uh, just move because of the apparent silence of God. And I mentioned last week how uh, someone told me that they really believed in the vision of Emerge, but uh, they're leaving because they, they need whatever it is right now. And I'm thinking, well, how can you believe in the apparent silence of God? Like Habakkuk, we express our concerns and we're seeking an understanding. God, don't you see what's happening? Do you even care about the burden that I'm carrying? After months of wondering and waiting in apparent silence, it's as though God speaks to us. Habakkuk 1, verse 5. Look among the nations. Look at Oakland, SF, San Jose, Berkeley. Look everywhere and be utterly astounded. Be amazed. For I will do a work when? Your days. Pastor Garfield, I'm leaving this semester. I still believe in that word. I'm leaving a year from now. God says, I'm going to do a work in your days. And after God spoke, Habakkuk changed his posture. His situation hadn't changed. He simply changed his posture. In verse 1, he says, I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart and watch to see what he will say to me and what I will answer when I'm corrected. The prophet positioned himself to see how God would continue speaking. We call that faith. And how he would respond. We call that obedience. So we must position ourselves to hear God's instructions and respond in faith and obedience. Hear God speak and choose how to respond in faith and obedience. So are you so focused on complaining about what you see without ever positioning yourself to hear God speak so you can respond? Look how God responded after seeing Habakkuk's posture. He says in verse 2 to 4, Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets, that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. Behold the proud his soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. Bukha cried out to God because he was carrying a burden for the people, and he wanted God to do something about it. But he had to position himself to hear God's response. Now, what I found interesting about uh, this text is that God didn't lay out these details to him. God didn't say, here's this plan of how we're going to accomplish these things. That's not what he said. God simply says, here's this framework. He says, I want you to write down what you envision as a viable solution to your burden. Write this vision down so those who read it will run to complete it. That's what it said. God assures Habakkuk that the vision has appointed time and will surely come to pass in his lifetime. That's what we read. And the reason for this fulfillment is what? Verse 4. But the just shall live by his faith. Can we read it together? But the just shall live by his faith. That's talking about us. We're going to live by the faith that we have in what God will do. And so, in November, the church board and ministry leaders, we went on a retreat. Can you guys hear me clearly? Is it better? Okay. So, yeah, I feel better. 
Uh, so, and now my wife's standing up on my shirt. It's just like it's driving her nuts. I can't even see what's going on, but it's, we'll, 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 we'll make it work. And so, in November, they, the board, ministry leaders, we went on a retreat. And we went on a retreat because we wanted to write the vision for 2024. There's a burden that we're carrying for this city and this church. And when we returned, each member received an 18-page document of things that we're thinking about. We didn't know if it's going to happen or not. We're just saying, we're writing something down, read it, you know, put it aside, don't know what we're just saying, this is what we're thinking about. We're writing the vision. But we also believe that God's timing is now. You guys are not even excited about that. I guess I'll just be the only one. God's timing is now. Yes. This vision is not about setting goals. It's about aligning the church with God's divine purpose. Nothing we do will happen overnight. But every vision starts with a seed. Every vision starts with a seed. So what are the seeds we intend to plant this year? This takes us to Acts 13.36. For David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep and was laid with his fathers and saw corruption. For David, after he had served the purpose of God, when? Served the purpose of God in his own generation. Wherever you live, God expects you to find one church and serve his purpose. This is why we're at Emerge. We live in the area, and God places us in one church. God is calling each of us to fulfill his purpose in this church because that's where he's placed us. You agree? Glad for the three people who believe that God's placed them here um, to do it. Man. We'll grow in numbers. So now, I love my home church in Florida. I talk about it all the time. Florida, Florida. But every ministry assignment um, that was given to me is now reassigned to someone else. They can't trust me to lead a team even when I visit. As gifted and as great as I think I am, they can't trust me to lead a ministry because I don't live there. So even when I show up, the best I can do is just to get involved for that one day. But after that one day, I got to come back home and serve the people who I'm called to. David's life was marked by fulfilling God's purpose in his generation. David left a legacy. And that's what we're doing this year. All of us will plant seeds for the future as part of the legacy we'll be leaving behind. When we visit 20 years from now, you can bring your kids to say, I was a part of that. Right, Janie? I thought I would wake you guys up a little bit. Here's our mission. Our mission is to promote spiritual growth, embrace cultural diversity, and serve our community through acts of unwavering Now, let's get into uh, some specific ways in how we'll respond to our mission. Um, now, you might have to listen to this sermon in our podcast. Uh, if you just type in Emerge Berkeley, I promise you something's going to pop up. iHeartRadio, um, Google, YouTube, Podbean, Spotify. I promise you it's everywhere. Um, so, you can just, so, because I'm going to give you a fire hydrant of things. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay. 
Leadership development. So my role as a pastor is to maximize your potential. So over the next uh, few weeks, we're going to be adding some classes uh, that's specific to leadership development. Uh, we'll also use these classes as a prerequisite to leading ministries, because we, we want to ensure that you're not burnt out as you're leading. We want to make sure that we equip you to lead. So we're going to provide you with the resources to lead successfully, efficiently, and effectively. And now when, when we hire our outreach pastor, we'll add some more specific training that's geared to equip us to serve um, the people outside these four walls. Now, in a much broader leadership capacity, developing leaders who are called to ministry became increasingly important. Uh, we'll go to the next slide. Uh, uh, some of you are available to serve or even lead a ministry. And we appreciate the availability. Yet others are called to ministry. In other words, they could see themselves doing whatever they're doing full time. So that's the difference between those who might be called to ministry and others who are available to serve the ministry. Now we need both in, in the church. Now we know this city is transient and members will transition from time to time but it's important for us to be good stewards in recognizing and developing leaders if they are willing to follow. That's important. Develop leaders who are willing to follow. So we're creating a minister pathway to recognize and develop future ministers and pastors in our church. So ministry associate is phase one. Now a ministry associate serves through the leadership of a pastor they are not a pastor, but they receive ministry assignments through a pastor. Uh, this rule applies to both men and women. When a ministry associate has faithfully served in that role, we evaluate how they've served, and we may appoint them as a minister in this church. Are we good so far? Okay. So again, let me also clarify that you can't nominate someone to be a ministry associate. So you don't have to worry about sending all kinds of emails to say, I got this person, that's not how it goes. It's based on calling and a recognition of that call. So don't flood my inbox with emails, all right? Now, we have two individuals who have proven themselves faithful. There's a calling on their lives. Um, both are in seminary and they're respected by the church. Um, so, so today, Peter Chung, Justin Swen, come, come here for a second, guys. <clears throat> so they, they have proven themselves faithful in this church. Again, both are in seminary. <laughs> and so we're appointing them to serve as ministry associates in this church. Amen? Can we, can we celebrate what God is doing in their life? <clears throat> Now, I want you to understand that, that, I've, that I've been meeting with, with uh, Justin since last September, so just about every week. And so this is not something that's a random thing that we're doing. It's an opportunity where we've, we've actually have seen this, we have several conversations about this. And so um, Justin will, will continue working with Justin Park, it's all these Justins in, in the church. So, but, he, but he's been you know, being a sounding board uh, for, for, with college ministry, so he will continue to, to work in that capacity. Now, Peter Chung is currently working with creative arts in worship and production, but don't be surprised when he's no longer serving in that capacity. Understand that, that we've been having this dialogue. Um, we've been talking about worship stuff for almost one calendar year, even before he knew he would go to seminary and about what that would look like. So, so in this season, he is serving that capacity, but don't be surprised if he's no longer serving in worship. Um, uh, so just understand that a ministry associate is really like a minister wild card. Uh, we get a chance to plug them wherever is needed. So, <laughs> so, so Peter's leading uh, worship now, but it's not permanent, and he knows that, all right? 
So thank you guys. Thank you. You can have a seat. <laughs> so again, a minister associate serves through the leadership of a pastor. They're not a pastor, but they receive ministry assignments. And then as they serve you, as they faithfully serve in their role, then from there, this is not a timeline to say three years, five years. That's not how it works. We just look through and see God can work in miraculous ways. And so we just look, and if they're faithful in that capacity, things can change in that regard. Now, we know Pastor Mimi serves as associate pastor overseeing ministries and church operations. Um, but, uh, where is he? He hates this, but I'm going to do it anyway. Where is Darren? Oh, come here. <laughs> so Darren has served in several capacities within our church, from finance, facilities, welcome team, service coordinator. Um, we've even sat in meetings together to negotiate our last facility, you know, going through to make sure the contract looked right. So you guys don't see all the things he does behind the scenes. And so Darren is just always faithful. He always has the keys to every facility we've had. <laughs> and, and so he's been faithful in whatever capacity that we've had. And so when you see Darren out there doing welcome, it's not because he actually leads the welcome team. It's because if there's no one there, he's just there. So Darren is just always here no matter what. <laughs> and so we needed a role to fit what he's already doing. So this is not something new, which is why Darren will be our operations coordinator doing exactly what he's been doing. <clears throat> and, and so from time to time, we'll add some more special projects with, um, to Pastor Mimi in that area. So he's doing exactly what he's doing. So again, when you see Darren serving different capacities, there's a chance that there's no leader and he's just there. And so we'll have a ministry fair coming up where you get a chance for you, some of you guys to volunteer to lead an area of ministry. All right? Yeah. Okay. Thanks, Darren. <laughs> I want to say this, that your rootedness in this city and even in this church is an important part in this process of even your calling and your ministry path. What we're saying is that you choose your path. But when you say that I don't know if I'm leaving or staying, it's not enough to place you somewhere. See, if we know that you're leaving, then we know what to do. But if you say, well, I don't know, I may stay, may leave, then I'm going to say, okay, I don't know what to do with that. And so many of you are gifted and called, and, and so, I many of you might say, oh, I know others. Why aren't they in that position? Because they might say, they don't know. You know more than I don't. I just look and say, what I see, I deserve to have conversations. And so if you have something that God's calling to do, then our job as leaders is to pull it out of you. Just like your job is to make sure you pull all that you can outside of me. That's why God places us in the body of Christ. Iron shall iron. You have a calling, I have a calling, we come together, that's how it works. Amen? Just had to say that so you guys don't go home being mad at me and saying, you called those, what about these people over here? And again, we need more sisters um, who are called to ministry. So I want you guys to understand that, that we believe that God calls both men and women. So, and, that's, <laughs> and so, just, just, just want that to be clear. Um, there's no uh, miscommunication about that. So, so that's where, you know, that people era comes from. Now to move on to another era, a preschool. Uh, so we mentioned that we were thinking about this last November. That's what we said, right? We're thinking about this. Well, now we're officially pursuing it, right? And we're pursuing the launch of a preschool right on this campus. You guys are not even excited about this. Listen, we believe a preschool aligns with the broader mission of fostering community engagement, providing educational support, but also connecting with families. You know, babies attract families, right? You know, we see babies out there, right? So launching a preschool allows us to extend our influence beyond the four walls and beyond just church services, but to get in the community. So that's what the school will do for us, 
a chance to be in the community. Now, one role of a church is to meet the needs of a community. And the preschool is actually a need in this city. So what better way to meet a need while also meeting new families? So we get a chance to do both. And so, and, and this preschool, we see more than just getting a school here. We, we're looking at saying, we want to also be cost effective. You know, the preschool is also not cheap. Uh, you know, when you look out there, preschools, the average in this city is about $2,300 a month per child. And so if you have four kids, that's the entire salary. Uh, well, I don't sure you know. But we want to do something that will help us to do that. So our goal is to, is to start with uh, 50 students, and we can build from there. Um, so already no we're still a few months away from launching it but i do have the floor plan already um, what it, what this looks like uh, right here and so that's what god is doing with that we'll keep you posted um, we can't post too much out there my wife was like you know you're trying to give out all the information that's like a blueprint for someone to go start their own preschool <laughs> you know i like to share stuff I had like a whole document put on our website to say, they can read and see what we're doing. Transparency, transparency, like that's too transparent. Do it in a members meeting. <laughs> um, so, so we do have details and to, to let you know our plans for that. That's the preschool, and we'll, again, a few months away. Our Compassion Center. Um, so we're launching a Compassion Center to serve as the outreach arm of our church. All our mission initiatives will flow through this um, compassion center. Global, local, all these things will flow right through it. Now, the outreach pastor that we're hiring, um, they'll serve as the director of the center. And I'll explain why we need to have this in this regard in a few minutes. Um, so we received uh, 40 applicants for outreach pastor. 40. And that's just 40 good ones. I tossed all the ones from the other countries that, yeah. Um, the, 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 one, the, the, the spammers, and the, yeah, I, I tossed those. Yeah, and so 40 good ones, and we narrowed it down to, to two. In fact, they are watching the service today. Could, could I? Um, so realistically, uh, we, actually reach a decision um, by early March. So, now I didn't say they're going to start that date now. I said we can easily reach. Though you guys told me to they say, hey, hold up a second. Like, I haven't even met with a team yet that's going to be doing the interviews. And so what we're doing is that we're getting a team, just, just to let you know, we're having a team that will do an interview uh, with, with, with the candidates, the, the top two. And after that, we're having someone who is not affiliated with our church they can have an unbiased approach. Then after they do that, we compare notes. Then my wife and I will do an interview with them. So we're actually staying out of it until all that stuff has been done. Once we find a good candidate, we'll bring them for an on-site interview. And so, again, we're not necessarily rushing it per se, but I'm just letting you know where we've been. Now, if these two don't meet the criteria, they're going to start over. We're not going to say, we have these and they didn't work, let's just go down here. I'm like, if it didn't fit before, you're not going to fit again. That's just how I operate. Um, this is too important for us to just keep saying, let's just hire someone based on availability. So if we don't find the right ones, we'll just start all over again. Now, I'll talk more about the funding process later on. But there's a specific way in which we had to seek funding which, for the Compassion Center, which created some unique opportunities that we as a board didn't even anticipate. We're saying, launch a Compassion Center. Yes, it's going to help our city. And then we've been meeting with uh, the fund developer. And she said, well, to make this more attractive, there's a way in which you have to do it. So in getting our Compassion Center, we have to also hire an intake coordinator, um, a case manager, uh, our 
own in-house counselors. Like all these things are areas of things that we have to hire. We didn't see this coming. We just thought it was going to be like, oh, let's just get a compassion center. So I don't know. Here's how you got to do it. So when the pastor is hired, they'll serve as the director at the center. But we'll also have to hire all these additional roles. So all the staffing that we'll need to run a regular center. And so we'll look more like a good center. And so, you know, so it's not that we actually have people in mind for these areas. We're just saying, we're just going with the flow. Whatever they're telling us to do, we're just doing it. And so when the time comes, I'm sure some of you guys might be qualified in here. Great. <laughs> so so that's, that's, that's where we are as far as that's concerned, as that we're moving in that direction with that. I'll talk more about funding later on. All right. I got to go quickly. Running out of time. College ministry. Now, Pursuit College is a strategic approach for us to engage with and support the needs of college students. We know that very clear. Of course, we, this includes promoting spiritual growth, community, um, and of course, leadership development. But here's what we're doing in this season. We're actually going to be expanding our college outreach to include both undergrads and grad students. So in opposed to just one group, we're expanding to both. Now, we're going to reach 250 college students with the gospel and provide a safe space for them. 250. Now, it sounds small to you guys? 250 is small, right? That's what I want to hear. And it is a small number. But it's also not a random number. Uh, this represents 5%, or I should say, half percent of the, of the Cal population. They have, there's 45,699 students at Cal, 33,078 undergrad, 12,621 graduate students. That's actually a real number. And so that's half percent, which is 228 students, and then we figure we get 22 students from other colleges around the area. So the 250 is not random. And again, that's only a half of a percent. Imagine if we get 10%. So, so that's what we're going to do. We're going to expand our reach. Now, here's what you guys will love, especially the college students. You're going to love this. Can I tell you something you're going to love? Can I tell you something you're going to love? No, I said college is going to love it. <laughs> so, so here's why you guys are going to love it. So we're, we're going to be investing in creating a weekly hangout environment. So here's what it's going to look like. On Fridays, you come in at 6.30, or if you're here studying all day, it's fine. You go upstairs, you have coffee, tea, whatever you like. That's what you do up there. Then we're going to come downstairs about 7.10. So you guys can be early for 7.15. 7.15 to 8.30, you'll have your large group right in this space on Fridays. When it ends at 8.30, you go back upstairs for post-large group. With food, games, and all those things. You get a chance to hang out there until 11 o'clock. Providing the food ourselves. So it's not you buying the food. We're providing that for you. Okay, okay, Adam, you can cheer. They don't like that part, Adam. So you can, so you can say, yeah. <laughs> we, we want to make sure that you didn't just come to a large group and just run home. So we've actually been having conversations with the leaders already. So ops team will figure out how to rearrange their space upstairs. And so that way you guys can come down and just, you know, have your service, go upstairs, and whether it's playing video games or ping pong, whatever those things look like, just having a safe space to hang out. That's for the college students. Now, here's where the young adults come in. So obviously, we, as we're talking about you know, vision and reaching you know, college students, we have to have young adults involved. So we're implementing a mentorship structure. Um, this is, we've been talking with, uh, with JP for a long time about this. And what we're doing is that we're creating a structure of one to 10 ratio, one young adult, 
to 10 college students. That's the ratio we want. And, and I didn't say we just, we're looking for just men to serve. We need young adult sisters as well. So you, you guys don't know. One to 10 ratio, because we're doing by gender. So, so if, if BJ has one group, that's 10. We need to have a sister that has 10 sisters over here as well. So we need that structure in place. Because if you don't get involved, then there's no point in having an outreach initiative. But right now, we also need to get involved right now. You know, find ways to get involved, okay? So as, our, as we grow as a church, then we'll hire an, a community engagement pastor that will help to oversee um, that area of college ministry. Are we good with that? So, I also want to make clear that we do have some parameters in how you're going to serve. So we're not just saying to get all these young adults or everyone come in and just change the system. You know, you can voice suggestions. We don't want to have to change the overall scope. We're working a long time to get some things in place. So we need to we need to partner with us. So let's recap a few things. We talked about leadership pathway, minister associate. Operations Coordinator, Preschool, Compassion Center with Outreach Pastor, College Ministry. So, now that I've shared some of this with you, we must prepare for the journey ahead. We must respond to this vision in faith. Believing that God will guide us, empower us, and make the seemingly impossible possible. So the question becomes, what burdens are you carrying to advance the mission of God while simultaneously fulfilling your purpose? You have to have a burden, and the way how you meet that is to fulfill your purpose. So what are you carrying? Because you're all have to carry some, into something. So we need to volunteer your time, share your talents, become active participants. Now. How can we respond in faith financially to this vision? See, you guys were cheering all along. But with every vision, there is a financial cost. And we believe that God has the provision for the vision. You guys believe that? I'm nervous. <laughs> we're writing the vision because there's a missional burden, and we're putting ourselves in a posture to respond in faith and obedience. That's what Habakkuk did. Now, we're not asking you to give a specific amount. We believe in encouraging you to pray about how God will, will, you know, will have you give. We believe that God will speak to you. As he speaks to you, then you will respond with your generosity. But there is a goal in mind. Hold someone's hand. You need encouragement. <laughs> I, I, you ready for the goal in mind? You guys ready for the goal in mind? We're going to pursue $1 million for this vision. Notice how... I said this with much calmness. A million. Now, our job as a church is to have a divine burden like Habakkuk and bring possible solutions to God. And that's what we're doing with this vision. We're saying, God, here's what we think, and here's what it is. Now, as we've been saying for the past month, if God impresses on your heart, and you're giving, just type reach in the memo. Because we believe that when that every dollar invested, we're going to see the kingdom of God expand. We're going to see souls saved, lives transformed, people clothed and fed, and so much more. But our giving is not the only source. But this month, you know, we're, our board members here, 
because uh, this this board has been good stored over every resource. I couldn't even have a bold faith if we didn't have a board like this who's saying that we're going to ensure that, that, that God gets the glory out of every gift. So they've done a great job storing every penny that comes to the door. But one of the things that we did as a board, find a strategic approach to ensure that uh, we didn't burden alone. But also, the reason why we're doing this too, you have to understand, we're not in debt, guys. We're, we're, <laughs> no, you don't understand. Like it's, and the reason why we're not in debt is because this board makes sure that we're doing a good job of those resources. And we believe that God has called us to do something great. And we have to ensure that we don't become a church that gets in debt. So we're believing in God to do the supernatural. So what this board did this past month, we actually contracted with a fund developer, which means we have someone who's helping us to look for resources, looking for funding, wherever it is. And so we've been meeting every week, and they're putting together a nice little package. So when it's presented, then those donors will say yes. The first question the fund developer said to me was, what would happen if a donor gave a blank check? And so we've been preparing ourselves in the event we get a donor with a blank check. And so preparing, and we've made headway. We, in fact, this past Friday, we met and we're getting in, in, in the right direction. And so we're doing this stuff to ensure that our finances that we have here are not strained. Because I don't believe that God will call us to fulfill a mission, and in the same vein, we go in debt. God gives wisdom. It gives also a chance for us to, to be good stewards of our resources. So we're having vision, bring it to God, and then God would bring the resources. Now what we're saying, we're believing in that, that God's going to do it. The same way how we believe in God and show that we weren't in debt because we're a healthy church, the same way that we believe that God will provide the resources to accomplish these things. So, and, th and this board is going to ensure that we do a good job of, of stewarding these resources. Amen? You have to understand, when, when we first started with the fund developer, we, we went in and saying, oh, we can get some funds for a preschool. There's funding out there, or the Compassion Center. That's what we're thinking. Like, oh, a preschool, you know, was, you know just take just start this much to start a preschool. And she's like, oh, I'm not a grant writer. I look for funds. It's like, do you want funds or what? And now we're looking and saying, oh, so we can eventually hire our staff, hire counselors and case managers and all this stuff right here? One thing I didn't say to you is that once we actually get these things rolling, we're actually going to have a, a room that's dedicated to our college ministry, right on this first floor. Oh, you guys are not excited about that. It's, it's fun. It's like the pursuit room, like literally. And so, so all those things are things that we're, we're looking into. So there's a lot of great plans we have in store. And we believe that God is going to, is going to do these things. Because I'm thinking about, again, Habakkuk 1, verse 5. Look among the nations and watch. Be utterly astounded. For I will work a work in your days. Everything we're doing now, we're, we're planting that seed. And if you're right here, if you're part of this church, you are part of that seed that we're planting. So it's not about being here 10 years from now. It's about coming back 10 years from now and saying, I remember when we planted this seed. And there's that tree right there. So understand that we're all a part of this. God says he's going to do it in your days, in my days. He says, if I told you this last year, you wouldn't believe. And so, he has to wait until right now. So, don't look at the $1 million. Don't look at that. Yes, it's funds that's going to move it forward. But at the end of the day, it's still God's church. We're saying, God, we have a burden to reach people. We have a mission, and here it is. 
We're just bringing you our plans. Make it better. So, so our job is to posture ourselves in faith and obedience to respond to him. Amen? I invite the worship team to come forward. So as we're looking at these things, I believe that God is, is going to do this. So, so how many people are extremely nervous about, about this, the, this, this vision? If you're nervous, let me see your hand. See your hand. Okay. How many of you are nervous when you're going to stand with me in faith? You're nervous, but you're going to stand with me in faith. That's all I want. I just needed one. Because I'm telling you, oh, because I said it, I'm nervous. But I believe I serve a faithful God. And I believe God is going to do these things. I don't believe God would allow us to stay a whole year pondering and, and processing and saying, what do we do? How do we reach the city? And all of a sudden, give us something like this, and then don't help us to meet this. So we're trusting that God is going to do exactly what he needs to do. Why? Because all of us have a different kind of burden. We're bringing all this burden under one umbrella and saying, God, we're putting ourselves together. And we're going to use this to reach our people. Now, we're going to take up our regular tithes and offering, but I do want you to spend some time reflecting on this song. It's a song that you know, I, I've been singing you know, at home to myself for about three weeks, and uh, I told Peter, I said, can you just add this to your list at some point? And he's like, actually, we're singing it this week. I was like, oh. And it talks about trusting in God. And so I know the, the vision might seem great, but for the next few moments, can we just really not worry about the magnitude of the vision and just really reflect on, on our faith in God? And if you can just believe with me for those next, however long the song is, about what God will do or can do through us so that we can be utterly amazed by what he will do. So let's, uh, let's invite you to stand. Or, or actually, if you stand, sit, doesn't matter. Reflect. We'll take up our giving after. Uh, but just reflect on, on, on this song. And I'll come pray for our giving right after this. As you prepare your giving, you know, just reflecting on how Habakkuk was there. And it's not, you know, the what that we need from God. It's the why. Everything that we're doing is to reach God's people. The why we're seeking God and we're trusting God. God never fails. So we're trusting God, we're praying, and we're believing that God is going to respond. So we're seeking God and we're trusting Him. If you're here and you don't have a relationship with Christ, you can receive forgiveness of sins even today. There are faithful God, the same God who sent His Son to die on the cross, so we can have redemption. Father, right now I pray, God, for the one who might not, have, might not know you as Lord and Savior. This will be their opportunity to serve you. You will forgive them their sins, God. And I pray, God, as a church, that we'll continue to serve you and trust you, God, as you call us, God, with our individual burden to reach your people, God. Move in and through our lives, we pray in Jesus' name. If you have your giving, there's many ways in which you can give that's on the screen. Again, if you are giving, you know, above your attached offering, just put reach in the memo. And what that will do is that it allows us to, again, complete all our mission initiatives, projects that we've laid out before you. That's where that fund is going. And I'm going to continue to remind you each you know, give you updates on where we are because I want you to see that God is going to respond to our request to reach his people. I don't know how. I don't have a blueprint. And many of you say you're nervous. I'm in the same boat because I don't know how God's going to do it. But I'm seeking God and trusting God 
to do something that I'll be utterly astounded. That's what I'm believing. So, Father, I pray, God, for everyone who has presented their gifts before you, God. Help us as a church that we remain good stewards over every gift, God. Lord, you've been faithful, and we believe, God, that you'll continue to be faithful. I pray, God, for the one that doesn't have resources, that you provide jobs, opportunities, God, for them to be able to give back to you, God, an experience of joy of giving. Lord God, we just pray, God, that you'll just uh, do the supernatural, God. We're trusting you, God, that you'll meet our request to bring before you, God, this vision, God, before you. Oh, we say a million. You might say it's too small. We don't know, God. Or we're trusting you and we're seeking you, God. So I pray, God, that you'll help us to be faithful and in our generosity towards your work. We praise in Jesus' name.